Today's podcast comes from online worship on Sunday the 14th of March and I just want to give a warm welcome uh, especially to everyone listening in by telephone today and uh, today obviously is uh, Mother's Day so uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mums and grannies listening uh, to our service today. Um, This weekend also marks a couple of anniversaries. Um, Some of you will be aware it's one year this Sunday since our last service when all of us were able to gather uh, both at Mount Kirk and Greenwich East End Church. And so I'm going to include something about that in our prayers. Uh, And also, you've perhaps seen in the news, it's the 25th anniversary of the Dunblane uh, massacre and the 16 children and school teacher were were, were murdered. Um, so I, I'll be including that in a, a prayer uh, as well. Um, so wherever you're listening uh, today, I'm going to begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather together as your church around this town and across the nations, we ask your blessing upon this next hour of worship and praise as we read your word, as we hear the preaching of the gospel. Lord, we pray that you would move powerfully in our lives. But Lord, our focus as we gather today is not upon our screens. It's not primarily upon the music or the singing, but our focus is on you. That we come to worship you, Lord, to acknowledge that you alone are God, that you are our creator, that you made everything in this universe and that you made human beings, you made us in your image and that you care about even the smallest details of our lives. And Lord, we take all of those things in our worship and we bring them to you. We bring our worries and our cares and our anxieties and our joys and we bring them to the foot of the cross as we worship you, as we give thanks that you are our God, that you are our creator, that you are the one who saves us and redeems us and forgives our sins and gives us your mercy and grace without measure. So Lord, we thank you for the gift of your love today and may you fill us with love and joy and peace in this time of worship. Lord, today we are conscious that it is for many of us one year since we were able to gather together in worship. We pray that this situation would change soon and that all our churches would be able to open again, that we would be able to meet together, to talk, to pray, to support one another and to worship our God. And Lord, we're also aware that today is a a painful day, especially for the town of Dunblane and for all those affected by that terrible tragedy 25 years ago this week. Lord, we pray for peace and comfort for the families of those 16 children affected and their school teacher. We pray for those who were the first to respond to that terrible event 
whose minds are still scarred by those memories. That, Lord, you would bring your peace. And, Lord, we also pray for the family of Sarah Everard today who have lost their daughter. And on today, Mother's Day, must be especially painful. Lord, we pray for peace and comfort and strength for them and for their wider family and for Sarah's friends. Lord, we also pray for those for whom this event has opened up wounds for them through their own experiences, that they too would find peace and comfort. So Lord, we commit our time to you today in worship. Lord, we bring all our concerns, but above all, we bring our hearts to you in praise. And we join together in the church family prayer as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to sing a couple of hymns now, and if you want to join in, please feel free to sing uh, along at home, and the words are all up on the screen. So we'll start with what a friend we have in Jesus. sins and griefs to bear And what a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit
precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise for safety? Mother's Day, a day of mixed emotions for many. Father, I thank you for all the amazing mums that I know, for the privilege of walking alongside so many precious women. Today we reflect on the past year and how difficult and challenging it has been for all mums. We pray for those who have lost their mums. For those mothers who have gone before us, we thank you for their love, support, joy and struggle. For those who mothered us, who didn't give birth to us, but who are mothers to us. Um, for for all that they are, we are thankful. To single mums, may, may they have the love and support of all their family and friends. For the women who struggle with fertility, who are desperate to be called mum, Lord, hear their hearts cry. For those who have lost children, for their pain, for their loss and their unbearable grief, we think of them and pray that you would comfort them today. No matter what we face today, you are with us. And you give us your shalom peace. We give thanks for all mums whose shoulders we stand on. For their love, guidance, devotion and strength for all the mother figures in our lives. Past and present. Today I pray for every mum listening that she would know her worth in you. May she know your strength and joy throughout this Mothering Sunday. I saw this yesterday and it simply said, thinking of you all for new mums, for de- for those desperate to be mums, those mums with broken hearts, those who don't have a relationship with their mum, those who don't have their mum, mums of fur babies, single mums, mums that adopted the role, those that have chosen not to be mums. Father, we lift all these people up to you and thank you. Happy Mother's Day to all mums, grands, aunties and friends. Amen.
The, the last few weeks I've been filming in the church, but one of the, the downsides to that is it's difficult to do things that are a bit more interactive and Facebook and YouTube lend, lends itself uh, to that. Um, so I wanted uh, my message today to be a little bit more interactive and if you wish you may have a, a wee chance to kind of uh, type some answers to some questions uh, I'm going to ask in, in a wee minute. Uh, but first of all, I'm going to read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. If you have a Bible at home, feel free to follow along. And it's Mark, chapter 10, and I'm going to be reading from verse uh, 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do this for us, whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. 
Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. We want, what, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we read your word together, we pray that in these moments you would speak powerfully into our lives. That we would hear the words of Jesus clearly that you would help us to understand them, that you would challenge us as we seek to be your disciples. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would not miss your words or your teaching, that our hearts would be open and ready to receive all that you have to pour into our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the past few weeks have been following this series of messages exploring Christianity, exploring the Christian faith. And the topics I've been following roughly follow what we would look at in the Christianity Explored course uh, when we when we usually run it. I know some people have been doing that online. At the moment. And at the beginning of any Christianity Explored course I've ever done, I always ask people a question. If you could ask God one question, what would it be, or what would you want God to do for you? Um, obviously, be aware that Facebook, YouTube, it's a public uh, forum. Uh, but if you feel you would like to type something in the chat window uh, to that question, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And I'll I'll just have a wee look in a minute to see what you to see what you type. Uh, 
usually on Facebook there's a little bit of a delay when people type things and it actually shows up uh, on the screen. I haven't got anything yet, but I've asked that question quite a few times on the Christianity Explored course, and the questions are always good questions, but there's a few that pop up uh, repeatedly, practically on every course I've ever done. One is, why is there suffering in the world? Why does God allow wars? Uh, why is it that sometimes our prayers appear to not get answered the way that we would like them? And those are some of the most common questions that people will ask. So I've got a few things been typed. Somebody says, heal the world. Obviously, we recognise that there's problems in the world. And that's obviously something we'd want to ask God about if we had the, the opportunity. Um, I don't know if there's any other questions going to pop up. Someone asking, why, is there, why can't we have peace? Uh, throughout the world uh, as well. If there's any more pop-up, I'll, I'll, I'll mention them. But throughout the, the Gospels, you find people asking Jesus questions that they want answers to, or they ask Jesus to, to help them in some way. So, for example, there's a, a rich young man asks Jesus, what must I do to receive eternal life? And it's worth looking at Jesus' answer. Uh, to that, uh, which is very interesting. And then there's a man called Jairus whose daughter is dying and he, he, he sends his servants out to find Jesus and asks Jesus to come and help him. His daughter is dying. When Jesus arrives, the girl has actually died. And Jesus goes into the room, he sends everyone out and he calls the girl back to life again. So they witness an amazing miracle that day. Yet all these people brought what seemed like reasonable requests. And yet it took two of Jesus' own disciples to ask the most inappropriate and stupid question in all of the Gospels. And uh, we've had, we've got more good questions that uh, folks are asking today. Um, somebody says, why can't we find cures for illnesses that uh, take people's lives, which is a, a great question. And it, as I said, it took James and John to ask the most stupid question and inappropriate question in all the Gospels. And this is what they say, Jesus, when you sit on your throne in your glorious kingdom, we want, to, we want you to let us sit with you, one at your right and one at your left. And James and John still didn't understand that the kingdom of God, that Jesus was always talking about to them. It wasn't an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. And yes, the Bible tells us at the end of the age, heaven is actually coming to earth. But Jesus is talking about going back to his father in heaven. Jesus has already told them that, that he was going to die, and yet they didn't understand this. But when you compare this to what the blind man Bartimaeus asked Jesus, to do a few verses er, verses later on. It's quite interesting. The man shouts out twice, actually, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. First of all, the man shows respect to Jesus. And the title 
that he addresses him by recognises that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. Jesus, son of David. Yes, that's the family uh, clan that Jesus was a part of. He was a descendant of King David of Israel. All Jews were aware that the Messiah, the Christ, when he came, would be a descendant of King David. She says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The man's quite humble when he approaches Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples to bring the man to him. And it's Jesus who actually asks the man a question. What do you want me to do for you? So it's completely turned around on its head. And I I really do think that Mark has placed these two stories together for a very specific reason. Um, They may have happened within a short time of one another. Um, The second story actually happens in Jericho. Uh, But Mark has certainly placed these two stories together because he wants us to see something. That we've got a contrast here between the attitude of the disciples. We want you to do this for us. We want the best places in heaven beside you. It's what James and John asks. And yet Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He just says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man answers, Rabbi, I want to see. Bartimaeus recognised his need, which was physical. But he also recognised who Jesus was. Jesus was the Messiah and that he needed God's mercy. And James and John just completely miss it. And Jesus has to say to them, can you drink the cup of suffering that I must drink? Can you be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with? And the cup that Jesus refers to is the cup of the symbol of God's anger and wrath in the Old Testament. And it points to Jesus bearing God's wrath against sin in his own body on the cross. So the Bible tells us that Jesus took upon himself the punishment for our sins even though he himself was innocent and the baptism that he mentions is a reminder that when Jesus was baptized when he went into the water in the river Jordan he was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist that there he's identified with the Lord's servant in the book of Isaiah where it is prophesied that the Messiah the Christ the Lord's servant would lay down his life for his people. And Jesus reminds James and John about what he said only moments before that he was going to die. Jesus told his disciples repeatedly that he was going to die and rise again. What James and John failed to realise was that the thrones that they were asking for at Jesus' left and right we're actually going to be allocated to two robbers either side of Jesus at the cross. So we're told when Jesus was crucified, there were two other men were executed that day, one on his left and one on his right. Is that what James and John really wanted? Because that's the path that Jesus was following. And so Jesus is encouraging them to follow his example of selfless humility rather than the arrogance that they were showing at that moment. A wee quote for you from C.S. Lewis, I'll just put up on the screen just now, about humility. 
This is what C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity. Many of you will maybe already be aware that C.S. Lewis in his early life was an atheist. He was a lecturer in English at Oxford University. And his professor was actually J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit eh, stories, eh, who was also a committed Christian. And C.S. Lewis became a Christian later in life. And he says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think that's an important distinction for us to, to make. That when God is calling us to humility, it's not thinking less of ourselves. And the fact is God loves us, God made us in his image. It's not that we have to think less of ourselves. Certainly that we have to Acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a saviour, in need of God's mercy. But humility is thinking of yourself less and thinking more about others. So according to Jesus in the passage that we just read, there are two things a disciple is called to. The first is that we should expect suffering and sacrifice. There's a a time in chapter 8 of Mark's Gospel where Jesus talks about taking up your cross. And he also says, for whoever wants to save his own life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the Gospel will save it. And he's warning his disciples to expect suffering for the Gospel and the sacrifice that that requires. And you see that in verse 34, if if anybody still has their their Bible with them, uh, if you still have it open. In verse 34, Jesus tells them, uh, just before he speaks to James and John, that he is going to suffer, he's going to be crucified, uh, that the Son of Man is going to be flogged and that he will die. And so this shouldn't be a surprise to the disciples. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and tell all kinds of evil lies against you because you are my followers. So to expect some kind of suffering, some kind of sacrifice from being a disciple of Jesus. You know, when we are obedient to Christ and we make it our life's goal to make Christ known, some people are going to hate you. Because they hate Christ deep in their heart. And the devil will hate you because he hates Christ too. And when you make other people mad, not because out of your own stupidity or arrogance, but because of your faithfulness to Jesus, you will make the devil mad. And that is, that's a bad combination. And you would expect to suffer in some way. Uh, you'd expect to some resistance from maybe some people that you trusted. And sometimes that can happen just because you're trying to be faithful to Jesus. Now you may be wondering who on earth is going to sign up for that? Why, why would anybody become a follower of Jesus if they knew that's what we were called to be? But that's the cost of following Jesus. And that is what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus doesn't promise that you're going to get rich. 
if you follow him. He doesn't promise that we will never get ill. He doesn't promise you happiness every minute of every day. But he does say, take up your cross, lay down your life and follow me. And the second characteristic of a disciple, according to Jesus, is that we should learn to serve others as well. It says in verse 42, if one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. So he wants James and John to really listen to this. Because they want to be top dogs beside Jesus. If one, one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. If one of you wants to be first, he must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I'm going to show you a quote from Billy Graham just in a, a wee moment. Uh, but I don't know if some of you may be caught in the news earlier this week. Another famous evangelist, Louis Palau from Argentina, he was reckoned to have preached to 25 million people face to face and also preached here in Scotland on many occasions. He, he passed away this Thursday, aged 86. And uh, I remember Billy Graham once saying that Louis Palau was the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. Um, and I think Billy Graham has been genuinely humble when he said that. Um, now for those that are maybe watching on Facebook or YouTube, you may want to type this in the, the chat window. How many of you watching or listening today had the opportunity to hear either Billy Graham or Louis Pillow preach? Um, and while you're doing that, I'll put uh, the wee quote up on the screen. And this is what Billy Graham said. When we come to Christ, we're no longer the most important person in the world to us. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal, to live for Jesus. Now, Dr. Billy Graham was a sinner like the rest of us, and he was only a human being. But uh, I, I had the opportunity to work quite closely with him and his team uh, when I was still a student at university. I actually worked for the Billy Graham Association and uh, during the, the Crusades in Scotland, uh, I was actually a chauffeur, a driver, and I think I've maybe told this story before, that uh, it, when I was doing that job, I was actually asked to pick up an important guest from Edinburgh Airport, which happened to be Cliff Richard, <laughs> and uh, which had me shaking in my, my shoes <laughs> going to pick him up. I had to take him to Murrayfield Stadium and then uh, take him back to the airport uh, afterwards. But my experience of Dr. Billy Graham was that he, that that was what he lived. That he seemed to me a, a humble person. That no longer was he the most important person in the world to him, but Christ was, and he devoted his whole life to Christ and to the gospel. So to live for Jesus, we need to lay aside our own needs. We need to lay aside our time. We need to lay aside our money for the sake of others and for the gospel. 
I want to ask how how are you how are you serving at the moment? How are how are you showing that to the world? How are you showing that to your community at the moment? Because that's what we are called to as disciples of Jesus. I don't know if you notice a, a connection between these two things that Jesus mentions that are important to being a disciple. He mentions sacrifice and suffering, but also service as well. And the connection is humility. In order to either accept these things or to do these things, you need humility. You know, we can't approach God with pride and arrogance. You know, God does want us to ask boldly for things in prayer. But first we have to recognise in humility that our deepest needs are spiritual. It's interesting in the Gospels that when Jesus, on a number of occasions where people are healed from physical illnesses, that Jesus draws attention to a person's deeper spiritual need. And yes, there are things that we want, we would love God to fix in this world. There are things in our own lives that we want God to do, and we can go to God and ask boldly in prayer to help us. But our deepest need is spiritual. That as human beings, we are sinners, and that we are in need of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And we only receive that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. Jesus laid down his life for us, paying the penalty for our sins that we might be forgiven. But in dying on the cross, he has also shown us the way that we are to live, that we are to take up our cross and follow him in a life of sometimes suffering, but we are also to serve, to serve one another in the world and in the church. Now, I don't want you to type in any answers to this, but this is a question just for you to think on your own. And it's very like the question asked at the beginning. What do you want God to do for you? What do you want God to do for you? How are you going to respond to Jesus? Like James and John? Or like Bartimaeus? Who recognised who Jesus was, that he was the Christ? That he had a, a spiritual need? And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know if you're aware of your deepest spiritual need at the moment. As I pray in a, in a wee minute, I just want you to, in your own mind, in your own heart, to take those deepest spiritual needs to God. That could be, perhaps at the moment, you're still seeking God. You're not sure if he's real or not. You want to believe. But, but, but you need God to help you in some way. You need some kind of something else, some confirmation. Um, take that to God. Perhaps at the moment, the deepest need that you're aware of may be some temptation. It may be some besetting sin. And you, you beat yourself up every day or on a regular basis because, you know, I've let God down again. I've let other people down again. 
perhaps for some at the moment your deepest spiritual need is an awareness that perhaps your faith at the moment feels dry that you don't feel close to God perhaps it's a long time since you've picked up your Bible perhaps it's a long time since you've prayed take that to God and perhaps there are some at the moment who are having big doubts. Maybe you've followed Jesus for many years, but perhaps things have happened in your life, or maybe the the stress of the COVID lockdown and everything we're experiencing at the moment, you're having doubts. Take that to God. So I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. In the Gospel of Mark and in the words of Jesus, that so powerfully challenged his own disciples and their wrong attitudes to Jesus. Seeing Jesus as someone who was just at their beck and call, but with without the humility. And we know that you want us to ask, to ask boldly in prayer for what we need. But Lord, help us to have the same humility as Bartimaeus, recognising that you are not a genie in a bottle, but that you are God. And that we show you the respect and honour that you deserve. That we recognise that we come to you asking as sinners. With even deeper needs than our physical needs. And so Lord we ask for mercy. We ask for faith. We ask for courage. We ask for perseverance in all things. And so, Lord, for those listening today with those questions on their heart, Lord, I pray that they would find peace in the answers that you bring, whatever that might be. And Lord, help us to be your disciples, to be faithful to put away all pride and arrogance from our hearts and to learn the way of the cross, to be humble like your son Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we come to the end of our service today and uh, it's lovely to have seen so many watching and listening today. And I just wish you all well for this coming week. And as I said, hopefully we'll have clarification on whether we can meet in the church building over Easter or not. And I'll certainly let everyone know in plenty of time eh, about that. It will probably be like our services before Christmas where you will have to book a place at the service. There's no doubt that that will be eh, how it's going to go. But I will let you know in plenty of time. 
for anybody that wants to, uh, we will have a Zoom call after this service today and there's a link in the post on Facebook and I'll put it on YouTube as well. Uh, feel free to, to jump onto Zoom if you want to grab a coffee, if you give me five minutes to get my own coffee, I'll come back and uh, for anybody that wants to chat after the service, uh, that would be lovely. Um, I'm just going to ask God's blessing and let you go your way and to all the mums, I hope you enjoy uh, the rest of Mother's Day and Granny's as well. Have a great day. So now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. Amen. Right, take care, everyone, and I'll see you all later. Bye now. <laughs>